Attention Disney enthusiasts, film fans, and those who have grown up with and have been inspired by Disney animation films. Drawn to Greatness, Disney's animation renaissance tells the story of Walt Disney Studios' hit animated films of the 1990s. This incredible book, written by celebrated author and 20-year Walt Disney World veteran Michael Lyons, provides the chronological story of how a group of Disney artists trained by legends who had worked on the studio's classic films believed in the power of storytelling. Each Disney animated film from this era is captured in first-hand detail, including how the blockbuster success of The Lion King was a circle-of-life moment for the studio, how The Nightmare Before Christmas went from a forgotten project to a scary success, how Toy Story took animation to infinity and beyond, and so much more. Get your copy of Drawn to Greatness, Disney's Animation Renaissance today at Amazon.com or through Michael's website, wordsfromlions.com. If you order through his website, Michael will sign and personalize the book to you. Again, that's wordsfromlions.com, L-Y-O-N-S.com. If you're looking for a unique, finely crafted gift that's like no other, you have to check out bowandharrow.com. Bow and Harrow specializes in using reclaimed materials from a variety of sources to create heirloom quality products with their own story to tell. These incredible materials range from sports stadium seats to whiskey barrels to your favorite film locations and more. And every single piece they make is handcrafted in their Southern California studio. I purchased a black titanium twist ball pen, the Fitzgerald model, from them and the quality and craftsmanship is second to none. To see their gorgeous pens, rings, cufflinks, cutting boards, serving trays, bottle openers, and more, visit bowandharrow.com. That's bow, B-O-W, and harrow, H-A-R-R-O-W.com. Bow and Harrow, bringing customers the highest quality handmade products that exceed all expectations. To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs, and this is season two of The Mouse and Me. On the show, I'll chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including Imagineers, dancers, technicians, directors, musicians, and stuntmen, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Now, Put on your Mickey ears or your princess crown and enjoy season two of The Mouse and Me. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. As always, I'm your host, Scott Jacobs, and I'm so glad that you're here. I have such a fun guest with me today. You're going to love him. I met him during my junior year, his senior year in high school. Our theater department did seven shows each year, a musical, a dinner theater production, a musical review, a one-act play, two straight plays, and a summer show. And that year for the musical, we did Oliver. I played the role of Mr. Sourberry, the undertaker and coffin maker, and he did sound design, lighting design, and was the light operator for the show, and he stage-managed every other production at the school. The work he did in high school was impressive, and he continues to amaze me. I refer to him as a Swiss army knife. He's an airline pilot, dive master, martial arts practitioner, and actor with extensive experience in voiceovers, character development, theater, and film analysis. He studied Shakespeare at London's Globe, taught English in Beijing, taught theater in the Broward County Public Schools for 25 years, where he also served as the Fine Arts Department Chair and at the district level served on the Holocaust Education Committee. His Disney work experience started at the Disney Store, and he quickly transitioned to Disney MGM Studios as a tour guide, gangster, and bandit on the Great Movie Ride. Also at Walt Disney World, he worked in Magic Kingdom at Splash Mountain and as a skipper at Jungle Cruise. Lastly, he worked for Walt Disney Attractions in marketing and as an assistant producer for Disney Consumer Products for Latin America. Please welcome my old pal, Danny Slowick. Danny. Hi. It's been, what, 32 years since we've seen That's a very impressive resume. I want to hire this guy. (laughs) 
I, I cannot believe we are looking at each other. I mean, we, we've kept in touch over the years, like texting, yeah. emailing, social media, but like, it's finally nice to see you. We have a lot to it catch is. up on. Tell me every little detail of the past 32 years. <laughs> it was a warm day in July, 1991. <laughs> no. Seriously, I, I'm just, I'm happy to finally see you again. You too, you too. And at the moment, you're back in South Florida, yes? I am. For about three more hours, yes. Then I have to hop a plane for my airline job and fly out to Houston. Okay. Well, well, then I will get this in under three hours, I promise. Thank you. So you and I were both born and raised in South Florida. So getting to Disney for us was pretty easy. Did you go a lot as a kid? Yeah, at least once a year. There was the family trip. Uh, I, I would actually say my earliest childhood memory outside of my home was the little talking Skull and Crossbones going down Pirates of the Caribbean, which my, was my mom's favorite ride, saying, are there be rough waters ahead? And then we went down the little hill and I said to my mom, were those the rough waters? And she's like, yep, that was the rough waters. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Now, you started working for Disney at the Disney store. Was that at the Broward Mall or Sawgrass Mills? Or? Um, no, uh, Broward Mall didn't have it. That was at the Fashion Mall at Plantation. Across the street from the Yes. Okay. In fact, that was one of the original 13 Disney stores. They referred to themselves as, as the 13 colonies. Nice. nice. Yes. And you, were you just in sales there? Were you in uh, yeah, well, it, it was it was the winter break of my freshman year of college. I went to the University of Central Florida. And on my freshman, uh, on the winter break, I got a part-time job for about a month and a half uh, working at the Fashion Mall Plantation. Nice. It was so much fun. I asked, them to send me, I asked them to send me. I asked them to send me to Orlando for traditions, which is the the, the Disney. Um, um, I hate to call it indoctrination. Uh, the, the Disney, like the initiation course, where they teach all about the company. But they wouldn't send me up. I was very upset. Did you always want to work for Disney? I did. I did. In fact, I chose UCF specifically because I wanted to work there. It was the closest state university to Disney. And the first job you had in the parks was the great movie ride. Now, did, did you have to put in like a general application to the company and they placed you there or did you have to apply specifically for that attraction? Well, that was my first cool job. Uh, they first put me at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular uh, where you have to say, please slide to the center of the road. Please slide to the center of the road. And yes, that was yes, my yes. actual first job. And then two attractions that don't exist anymore, the Monster Sound Show and Superstar Television. And then I said, please, please, may I, can I please go to the great movie ride? Uh, and 90 days after, uh, I was cross-trained. And yes, to answer the question, uh, I actually had to audition. So um, this was about a two-month process. I went back to the casting building, which now it's all online these days, but you have to physically go there um, in the in the early 90s. And I would go every single week and they kept laughing and smiling, saying, thank you. We appreciate your interest. We don't have anything open right now. And then one day I went there and, and she said, look, there's nothing on my computer screen, but I know that we're having an internal audition are you interested in working at the Disney MGM studios? I said, yes, yes, yes. She said, wait, you told me you wanted the magic kingdom. I said, I do want the magic kingdom, but I'll take anything in attractions. She said, okay. She gave me all the information. Uh, I went down, did the audition. It was a cold reading. You know what those are. Oh, yes. I did. I did a cold reading. Uh, they handed me the script for the now defunct backstage studio tour, which was the red trams that took you backstage. So the yes. golden girls house and all this stuff. I did it. And that was on a Saturday. Then on a Monday, I called and said, hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on? I was eager um, to, to find out. And they said, well, sorry to say, you know, you're not in the computer, which means they're not offering you the position. And I was told when I was there at the audition, they, they, they were trying to psych me out. They said, you know, oh, you're a new hire. Oh, oh, well, you know, this is really for internal transfers. This is, we get priority. I said, oh, okay. I'm just happy to be here. And <laughs> 10 minutes later, she called me back. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There was a computer glitch. You're in. I said, I'll be there in 30 minutes. She said, no, it's 45 minutes from UCF out to Disney. She said, don't speed. We'll be here till four o'clock. I said, <laughs> okay. I said, and when do I get my free tickets? She said, let's get you hired first. You don't officially work for us yet. That was it. 
Now, how long were you part of the Great Movie Ride team? Um, I started the Movie Ride, let's see, I was hired in March of 91, March 9th, 91, uh, at Studios. I got to the Movie Ride 90 days later, which would have been June of 91. I was there through 93, which is when I was voluntold to go to the, <laughs> uh, to the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Okay. Did you keep track of how many rides or runs or shows? I, I'm not really sure how to classify it. Like, like how do you refer to it? Like when you were it, on the great movie ride? It's uh, each, each cycle is 22 and a half minutes from start to start. So from the moment CBs, uh, you hear the, um, they say, ready when you are CB and action. And then the hooray for Hollywood starts from there to the very next hooray for Hollywood is 22 and a half minutes. So you figure it's about a 20 minute cycle. We were doing roughly three shows, just under three shows an hour. Typically you do one show on the, on the bandit, which is the A vehicle. Then one show on the gangster, which is the B vehicle. Then you'd have a dock position, which is loading, unloading, uh, seating people, um, greeting people, maybe outside in front of the attraction. So um, unless someone's taking a lunch, in which case you're stuck on the ride for two cycles. Right, or, right. Or ho- hopefully not more than that, because it does. It, it's very it, it is very loud in there. And many folks wore earplugs uh, because of the noise, especially the gunshots and that sort of thing. Um, I never counted. But when you move into Gangster and Bandit, the shows increase exponentially because you're not doing three shows an hour anymore. Now you're sitting back in Gangster Alley which is a, a, a small uh, um, hallway. You walk down the stairs, you hide behind, you pop up like an audio animatronic figure and start with AU, and then the whole thing starts. Um, and those we were doing probably five shows an hour because those are about 10 minute, 10 minute shows from the moment you pop up um, and then ride through Gangster Town, Alien, uh, Indiana Jones, and then the Anubis scene, which is where you quote unquote die. And then the tour guide comes back and they say, anything can happen in the movies. You go back through that hallway and reload your, your, your blanks, uh, which were nothing more than the primer. There was no actual gunpowder in there. There were, there were just blanks, just enough to make a popping sound. Um, and then, and then it's, yeah, then you redo it. The bandit, which is the, the cowboy, cowgirl um that's a little shorter because they're already in bandit land they don't have to travel any place so their cycles were a little bit faster a little bit shorter cycle so they got more we probably got eight shows an hour in gangster they probably got 10 shows an hour in bandit what did the training look like for that attraction the initial training everyone gets trained as a tour guide you don't get to be gangster or bandit until you've uh, until you've been a tour guide for at least, they want to say at least a month. They generally like two to three months. So you really get to know the attractions, the ins and the outs, things that go wrong, emergency evacuations, that sort of thing. All the stuff that, you know, we, we don't like to talk about, but we have to, have to know in case it happens, all the just in cases. Sure. So it's a five day training period from the moment you step into the attraction, meet your trainer, you're handed the script you're allowed to take the script home. You're not allowed to make copies. It's all you know, it, it's it's all written on there. Property of Walt Disney Imagineering. Uh, do not duplicate all that sort of thing. So you're allowed to take it home to to memorize because just like doing any other any other show, it's a script that you have to memorize because sure. you have to you have to every guest deserves to have the same show. Every mm-hmm. guest needs to get that same experience or similar. Obviously, my personality is a little bit different than somebody else's, but the same script, the same show time and again. That's the goal. Uh, we learn the safety. We learn about fire extinguishers. We learn about emergency evacuations. Where are the emergency evacuation points? We ride. What happens if your vehicle gets stuck? What if your battery runs out? Because they're all electrically powered, battery-driven vehicles. What if your batteries won't engage? What if the charger built into the floor won't charge there's all the what if scenarios and then suddenly that that low battery light lights up on your vehicle and suddenly you're going through casablanca and you get slower and slower and eventually it just comes to a stop <laughs> how do you handle that i mean humphrey burger is great but how many times can i hear here's looking at you kid i don't <laughs> want to hear that more than five times in a row so there's a little pack on this i 
Bright doesn't exist anymore, so we can talk about it. It's not really a trade secret. Um, there's a little pack on the side, a little radio transmitter that you push the button um, associated with the scene that you're in. You'd push Casablanca or Oz or Finale or whatever you happen to be in, and it would ring back on the load dock. Uh, somebody would quick hit uh, the mute button, which would mute the entire ride. It's very quick. It would just go mute and come back. And whenever you would hear that mute and come back, you're go- you're on your ride doing your little thing going in your head going, uh-oh, we're going to stop any second. <laughs> so it's a five, it's a five day training. You learn all the, all the emergency stuff. You learn um, the script. Of course you do a million shows, uh, a shows, B shows. You, you learn all the backstage areas. Um, and then on day day five is your checkout day. You're, you're a little training in the morning, check out in the afternoon. There's a written test you have to take, uh, which talks about all the emergency stuff. And then you have to go through a show observation. A different trainer has to come and observe you doing your show, your A show and your B show. And then they observe you doing loading, unloading, greeter. So they know that after those five days, you're fully qualified on that attraction and they can trust you to send you to anywhere that they need. Okay. That was kind of a long winded answer, but I, 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 I hope it helped. No, no, I, I love it. You mentioned when things didn't go exactly as planned. So I'm assuming that happened to you several times, you know, whether it was a ride breakdown an animatronic or music failure, can you share specific stories of things that happened to you? No, to me, Nothing real exciting uh, happened to me. I, I There are stories of other movie writers. Uh, there was before I started, uh, in fact, slightly before I started, Alien, in the Alien scene, he'd come down, he would, he would try to uh, grab the guests in the vehicle. Well, one of the Alien arms fell off. Oh, no. And, <laughs> onto a guest, and the bandit... Um, just kind of, kind of like that. That was a totally out of out of the blue thing. You're, that's not something you're expecting to happen. An AA, an AA figure falling apart, uh, but she was she was able to get it and and take. She 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 improvised and she she got that thing back. You know, I don't know what she said, how she handled it, but she managed to get that thing back. Took it up the stairs into Anubis, and then she she died in the smoke, um, and then. Walt Disney Imagineering had to reprogram the alien because it was coming down too far. They realized that the 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 it came down too far on the tracks. It had and and with the moving the jostling, it 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 moved the arm a little too much and the joint fell off. So they uh, they reprogrammed it to be less shaky and mm-hmm. to give the same effect, but without having limbs fall off on guests. In that attraction. There were so many great scenes, Singing yes. in the Rain, The Wizard of Oz, Mary Poppins. You mentioned Casablanca. What part of the attraction did you look forward to the most? Not just because I played gangster, because I love the scene, but there are so many hidden things in the gangster scene. Hmm. Uh, there's There was a hidden, there were several hidden Mickeys in the, in, in the gangster scene. Uh, there was a hidden pair of shoes off to the side in the so-called ripped off posters that were on the wall there was an old there's a there's a mickey's foot and his little tail that were that were over there um there was a hidden mickey up in the top the very very top of of the building that we were all hiding in it turns out that one of the gangsters decided uh to make this beautiful perfect silhouette of mickey's head put it in there nice for a long time someone uh saw it uh, Walt Disney Imagineering said, that's not official. Let's get that thing out of there. Some of the guests went to guest relations and complained and said, why did you take out the hidden Mickey? We loved that hidden Mickey. And Walt Disney Imagineering said, okay, we're going to make it official. It's going back. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. I love but, that. I, I love that. I love that scene. And the AA figures were great. And the, the shootout was great. And that car that comes out is just so much fun. I think it's more fun than actual gangster movies. What did a typical shift at the great movie ride look like for you? Like opening the attraction, closing it down? I liked both. I liked getting there before the guests were there. 
I enjoyed walking through an empty park and hearing the background music. Uh, I enjoyed cycling the vehicles and, and, and confirming everything was working because about, about 30 minutes prior to park opening, we would start cycling the vehicles. We'd all get on our, we'd all get our vehicles. We'd all, everybody would go through it. Everyone uh, had a, a mental checklist. Look for this, look for this. Are these lights working? Are our, emer- does our emergency equipment work? Uh, is anything wrong with the AA figures? Is anything wrong with the sound effects? Uh, anything that, anything that could possibly go wrong, we had to look for that, catch it so that we could notify maintenance to come out and fix it before the guests arrived. Okay. And, and just to be clear, uh, when you say AA figures, that's audio animatronic. Audio animatronic figures, okay. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then at the end of a shift, uh, how did you close the ride down? On nights that we had fireworks, we had to close prior to everyone else because we were right in the fireworks fallout zone. Gotcha. So let's say the, 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 the park closed at nine, we would shut the ride down. The last guests would be allowed onto the ride at eight. For that 22 and a half minute cycle I mentioned earlier, they'd be done by 8.20. By 8.30, we could call the ride clear. Anyone who was not essential would leave the building. Anyone who had to stay there, because we, we did have to stay for, for potential firework fallout to ensure that there's nothing caught on fire, which that's an interesting story. I'll tell you about that if you want to know that later. Absolutely. Uh, nothing, of the, nothing, of the, nothing of the movie ride ever caught on fire. But we would stay to ensure that everything was safe during the fireworks. Um, fun fact about the fireworks, they would they had sprinklers on the roof. Because the fireworks were falling on the roof, they would put the sprinklers on five minutes before the fireworks started. So in case the shells would land, they would just land into a puddle of water. Oh, okay. Well, that, that makes total sense. Fun, fun little aside, but it is GMR related. Tell me what, what you were going to say before about the... Uh, oh, the fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was done at the movie ride, and I was reassigned for the last hour to go work crowd control for the um, for the fireworks. And back then, the the fireworks show was called Sorcery in the Sky. That's the one where Vincent Price did the narration. Good mm-hmm. evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Vincent Price, and right and at one point, uh, he he had passed away. And surprise did so when we heard his voice the very next day we all looked and said wow this is creepy this is what <laughs> vincent price really should be doing and we all kind of said this is vincent price coming to you from beyond the grave for sorcery and the sky fireworks <laughs> um so i was working crowd control we had a we had a um, a rope line that kept guests behind uh again to avoid that fireworks fallout that i mentioned earlier because the entire courtyard for the movie ride was a fireworks fallout zone okay and if the if the wind was blowing south to north because that's the way the park was aligned we'd have to move the ropes even even farther away and unfortunately ask guests to move more onto hollywood boulevard to avoid the fireworks fallout well, one day we were listening to all the radio. Everybody's got their radio. I, I didn't have a radio because I wasn't high enough on the food chain. So I just listened mm-hmm. to other people with their with their radios. And we were all hearing, okay, zone one clear, Mickey Avenue clear, Star Tours clear, New York Street clear, all the clear, clear, clear. But one didn't call clear. That night, Mickey Ave did not call clear. Instead, they gave the Disney code for, for a fire, which I don't know if I can give out. But there's there's a code that they use on the radio, which indicates there's a fire somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what's going on? And we heard we all we all heard it. Guests didn't know because it's it's a in-house code. Uh, and we're like, oh my god, what's going on? At that time, Beauty and the Beast had just come out, so Disney set up a mock-up of Bell's Village on Mickey Avenue. Mm-hmm. One of the fireworks shells fell instead of it's supposed to extinguish by the time it hits the ground it fell on top of bell's cottage oh no bell's house caught on fire now they caught it in plenty of time uh reedy creek fire department got there um and it was it was out before it became anything but ask anyone who worked there at that time did you hear about bell's bell's house catching on fire and they will tell you the same story that's what happened oh my goodness yeah. Well, I'm glad nothing bad happened. No, no, nothing happened. 
it was all temporary and it was just there to promote the movie. And then they, then they moved it inside to one of the restaurants, the soundstage restaurant as, as background scenery. Then eventually about a year later, they got rid of it. Can you share any fun facts about the attraction? Uh, well, I already told you about the hidden Mickey's, the, the official, the unofficial one that became official at mm-hmm. the time, the witch was the most expensive audio animatronic figure that the company had ever produced. It was the 100 series AA figure. And it, it was so realistic. People, guests kept insisting that that's a real actor. Mm. They, they did not believe that that was a real person, uh, that, 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 that was a, a robotic creation and not an actual real person interesting okay when we were talking you mentioned that you met ed mcmahon was that part of superstar tv no that was part of they they used to do the star a day parade down hollywood boulevard okay and i one day was assigned to walk his car down hollywood boulevard and we're always told, don't don't approach the celebrities. You know, you're here to do a job. Your job is to escort them, not to be their friend. If, if they want to come talk to you, absolutely have a conversation. But don't go and approach them because they're they're here to do a job. They're promoting something. They're promoting a TV show. They're they're a movie or something. So they're here on business. You're here on business. You're not here to be a fan. So like, well, I said, OK, no problem. We got it. No, not an issue. Uh, there was about maybe four or five of us assigned to walk his car that day, usually two in the front, three in the back. And, and he was in his trailer, uh, with his wife at the time and, and his, his child, his, he had just had a newborn, probably not a newborn, probably a toddler at that point. And Ed came out and we're all like, Oh, here he comes. Is he going to be one of the nice ones or one of the, Ed could not have been friendlier. He came over, had a conversation. Hello, how's everyone doing today? Are we ready for a parade? All right, who's walking where? You're walking here? Okay, very good. He was just nice. He was personable. I mean, he wasn't trying to be our our, our best friend. He was trying to be a human being. Sure. And it was it was it was really really appreciated uh, the way he interacted with us. You also performed for Michael Jackson. Tell we me did. about that. Oh my goodness. Um, and then I wound up meeting him years later off a of Disney property. Uh, Michael had come in, I think with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. I think it was Macaulay was there. It was he and his little entourage and they came into the great movie ride. Well, Michael wanted to see a gangster show, not a bandit show. I was tour guide that day. And the rule always was we do not, call dibs we do not assign whoever's in the rotation whatever show whatever tour guide is assigned to that vehicle that's who gets the celebrity unless the celebrity requests someone specific Mm -hmm. all right i was on the a show which is the bandit show michael requested a uh, a gangster show okay great so i i I just gotta get to say oh look there's mj kind of cool (laughs) <laughs> but when you get to Oz, the Oz show where where the tour guy talks to the witch is always the A vehicle. The A vehicle, because the way it, it they kind of come in together, the A, show, the A vehicle and B vehicle, they depart the dock together. They only separate in gangster and and um, gangster and uh, uh, Western town when they and they rejoin each other in Oz and they mm-hmm. go and they park in Oz. The A, the A driver goes down, grabs a microphone, and has the little interaction with the witch. That was me. Mm-hmm. I got to I got to have my interaction with the witch. I got to do my performance, all two lines of it for Michael. <laughs> so I can now officially say that I performed for Michael Jackson. That's so cool. Yes. And you said you met him off Disney property after that. A few years later, when I was teaching, I did a field trip up to New York City. And I was with a group of students. We were in the Disney store, go figure, (laughs) the the Disney store on Fifth Avenue before they moved it to Times Square. We went to the Disney store on Fifth Avenue and I was leaving. And one of the students, because we were all in little groups, different chaperones, one of the the kids comes up knowing I'm a, a Michael Jackson fan says, guess who's here? Guess who's here? And sure enough, he was there with his son Prince at the time. Mm-hmm. And we went upstairs to see him and his 
big, giant, enormous bodyguard was there. And I, and he saw I was with kids. Uh, I said, can, can we go say hello? And, and his bodyguard said, absolutely, just no pictures. So no problem. So all the kids went in, they said hello. And I went in, I said hello. I turned into a crazy fan at one point. <laughs> and he was just, he was kind. He was very nice. He was trying to be dad. He just wanted to be, it just wanted to be him and his son in the Disney store. Mm-hmm. And, but he was very kind. He was very gracious. He, 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 I said, if you let me, I just want to shake your hand. Cause we all heard these stories that, you know, Michael's a germaphobe and blah, blah, blah. From my experience, from what I saw, not true. He shook my hand. He spoke with me. He said, thank you very much. Oh. So that, that's, that's my brush with stardom. That's so cool. Does it get much bigger of a star than, than MJ? Now, you mentioned before you were voluntold to go over to Magic Kingdom. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that was to be a skipper on Jungle Cruise? Yeah, I didn't know Jungle Cruise specifically. The issue was I was I had turned full-time. I went from part-time to full-time. I, I decided to try and see if I could work full-time while doing a full-time college schedule also. And Disney was good about working around my schedule. And, and then about, I guess, three or four months later, this was maybe June or July of 93, one of my supervisors came and said, look, we have two, we, we've got an issue, but it's easily solved. I said, well, what's the issue? She said, we're overstaffed here at the Disney MGM studios. And my, my, my thought was, oh my God, they're going to fire me. <laughs> she said, she said, you have two choices. You can, we can either move you back down to part-time and you stay right here. Or if you want to remain full-time, the Magic Kingdom has full-time positions open and we could just transfer you over there. So I said, I choose option B because I would always wanted to work there anyway. So I went over there and I met with with the supervisor of the area, a really nice lady named Val Bunting, who I'm still Facebook friends with to this day. Uh, And and, and we met and we talked and she, she, she became my Disney mom. She hmm. was she was the person that you could go to for anything, and it, it was it was such an easy transition. They she said, "Where would you like to work?" I said, "My my Disney dream job is the Haunted Mansion." She said, "Well, unfortunately, that's a lot of people's Disney dream jobs, and I can't guarantee that." I said, "Okay." I said, "I'll take anything except for the Jungle Cruise because I just came from a spilled attraction." where I'm talking all day long, I I would like something a little bit different. She said, okay, I will see what I can do. I report report to the Magic Kingdom, uh, go into the tunnel entrance. I'm sure you've Mm -hmm. heard about the utilities. You probably had guests prior to me talk about the tunnels. Mm -hmm. And I get my little assignment card. It said, report to and get a costume for the Jogo Cruise. No, what attraction I didn't want to work is where they assigned me. I wound up loving the Jungle Cruise. It had so much fun. Uh, it, it has such a good, positive energy for people who have ridden it that when I say Jungle Cruise, I mean, that preempts anything I did. Sure, sure. At studios. I mean, oh, the great movie ride. Oh, I'm so sad that it's gone. Jungle Cruise, tell me a joke. <laughs> do you still remember the jokes i remember all the jokes and i don't care to tell them right now <laughs> <laughs> well I, and actually one of my questions is did you have any room to improvise or is the skipper's spiel all scripted uh yes and yes and no um they did allow a little bit of improvisation they wanted you to keep it cl- as close to the script as possible. The script, the script itself had about three different options per scene. So you're going along and the gorillas have that upside down Jeep. There's the serious one where, where Walt himself back in the 1950s wanted to have an adventure. That was the whole point. It was an adventure in Disneyland. That's why it's called Adventureland. There was the serious script where you're taking your 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 crew on an adventure. Then there's the comedy options. And there and they they said, look, you can go off script a little bit. And quite frankly, that's how these options came of it, came about. Because skippers would create their own jokes. Walt Disney Imagineering would come on, listen to the new jokes, and say, Yes, we like it, or no, don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really created my own jokes. I, I'm not a comedian. 
I did listen to other people's jokes and I would, I would borrow from some of them, but no, but yeah, the answer is yes, you could improvise, but only in a limited fashion. When these Imagineers took these cruises, were they announced or or you had no idea that they were on board? No idea. They just pop in. Sometimes they'd wear a little Mickey Sorcerer name tag. Sometimes they wouldn't. They're supposed to. It's not a gotcha type of thing. They're not trying to fire you. Sure. They're they're really there just to see uh, how is the show going? Is the show what we intended it to be? Uh, are, are there changes that need to be made? Are the skippers telling new jokes that, wow, that's a really good addition. Let's add that to the script. Um, how are how are the elephants in the bathing pool doing? Uh, hmm. Do they need refurbishing? Are the trunks still upright? You know, all those sorts of things. They're really okay. there to observe the show. They're, they're not trying. They're not trying to fire you. That's not Imagineering's job. OK, well, what bit did you like the best? In the in the Jungle oh. Cruise? Mm-hmm. They, they've changed so much of it. Um, they, they realized that certain things are just, they're no longer appropriate. They were considered okay at the time. Uh, but now looking back, we realize that there are some cultural insensitivities. So some things have changed. Uh, one change that I re- that I like that I never got to do because it's a new, relatively new invention is the Jingle Cruise. If you've ever ridden during the holidays, they have a they completely rewrite the script and they turn it into a whole holidays theme. I just wrote it back in December and I love what they've done with the place. I, I like the changes they've made as far as the, the, the Christmas overlay, as they call it. As far as my favorite bit, I always like the corny backside of water joke, water sure, joke. Sure. I, 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 it's, it's the most known joke it's the most pro- told probably overtold joke but to me as a kid that was hysterical like right, right. that's fun that's funny oh wow wow that's a clever joke and then mm-hmm. i got to tell the joke so to me that was always my favorite and sometimes you'd hear the people pipe up ladies and gentlemen it's the and then someone would yell backside of water you know nice. it beca- it's just such a well-known bit there you mentioned for the great movie ride that cast members would rotate to different positions. Was mm-hmm. that the case with Jungle Cruise or were the skippers just the skippers? No, exactly the same. Exactly. You'd go from they had a they had a rotation sheet where they would write down, okay, you're on the Zambezi Zelda, and then you're on the Irwadi Irma, and then you have a dock position. You're load. You're the load position, the unload position. You're the help guests with physical disabilities position. You're the greeter. Gotcha. Uh, every everyone had a specific job to do. And and it was so down to to the detail where where they told you which specific boat you were on. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. There's there's a there was a rotation sheet um, that uh, I I actually helped them redevelop. They're probably not using it anymore. It's been a long time, but I had used what we had the movie ride, and I said, oh, there we we could we could use that rotation sheet and bring it over here because they were just using legal pads and jotting things down. I'm like, guys, there's a better way to organize this. Would I be allowed to do that based on my experience uh, at the movie ride? And they said, sure. So I brought it in and we went back and forth and back and forth. Eventually they said, okay, we like this one. So you would, uh, you would be assigned to boat one, boat two, each boat of course has a name, but one boat two, and then a dock position. Okay. Today, it's a little bit different. Today, they have the CDS, which is a cast deployment system. And that that the cast deployment system now tells you exactly where to go for exactly how much amount of time. You said for the Great Movie Ride, it was five days of training. How long was training for Jungle Cruise? It was the same, and I was done by day three. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because okay. it's, it's almost identical to the movie ride. You're just on water instead of on concrete. So then I'm assuming before you could cast off on your own, see what I did there? But I'm bummed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you had to give a tour to a manager before they signed off on you. Yeah, yeah. You you would sit with a different trainer. The, the, you had your one trainer who did all of your training, and then a separate trainer, just a separate pair of eyes. Pair of eyes would come along with a checklist and say, "Yes, check the box. Check the box. You did this. You did this. You did this." Okay. Um, and yeah, by day three, I was done, but my trainer said, we're going to keep milking this as long as we can. Cause when I'm training, I get paid more. I said, okay, let's do it. Nice. Now, Danny, important yeah. question. Did you know that hippos make up 90% of the world's hippo population? 
Wow. Yep. Isn't that wow, good? Wow. That is. And what makes the other 10%? Uh, probably hippos. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Tracy and the kids and I went to Magic Kingdom. We we, we did a cruise, not, not a Disney cruise. Uh, we did a cruise on NCL and it docked in Port Canaveral. And so we're like, oh, we're going to the Magic Kingdom. And so we went, we'll, we'll never do it again. Just the cost for the, the very, very limited amount of time. It just, it wasn't worth it. It was fun. But we just won't do that again. We like to commit for a full day. But at any rate, we went to Magic Kingdom for the day. We met with a former student who was working the Disney College program. And she hung out with us in the parks. And we went on Jungle Cruise. And we're in the queue. And one of the people managing the queue Thank got Thank you for saying on, queue and not line. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, one of the people managing the queue got on the microphone. And all of a sudden, we heard... Did you know that hippos make up 90% of the world's hippo population? Hippos? And for whatever reason, it it struck us as one of the funniest things we had ever experienced because we were just chit-chatting and this came out of nowhere. It was so random. It was such a funny little detail. And years and years later, to this day... We will randomly send a photo of a hippo to her. She'll send a photo of a hippo to us. We'll post on her wall or a text or something. We cannot get that out of our minds. It's I'm going to die with that. I love it. Absolutely. That's like my four-year-old memory of the talking skull and crossbones going, all right, there be squalls ahead. Yes, yes. Yes, that's it. These are the memories. I don't remember the time frame, but it seems like this happened in the past year or so, but a Jungle Cruise boat started taking on water and everyone had to be rescued. Did anything crazy like that happen when you were there? No, it's only three feet deep. I mean, there's not much of a rescue to have. Right. Well, I mean, but still three feet. You're like in the middle <laughs> yeah. of water. The, the worst, the deepest part of the jungle is actually in the hip and the uh, elephant bathing pool. Um once a month, actually once a week, we'd put on waders and we'd ha- and before the park opened, we'd actually walk through the entire jungle mm-hmm. with, with scrub brushes cleaning things down. And they warned me, they said, we can only have the tall people go here. It's like, well, I'm a tall person. They said, no, we're not kidding because the water came up to your chest. Oh, it's about, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about five feet deep. So that's, I mean, that's really the deepest it gets. But yeah, I, I could definitely, you know, see some people starting to get worried. Absolutely. No, that never happened. Not well. Okay. Well, well, that's good. All right. So you said that sometimes you had to go through once a week uh, and, yeah. and scrub everything down. Uh, what did an opening and closing shift look like for Jungle Cruise? Was there anything else specific that had to be done? Jungle uh, was a little different than Movie Ride. Uh, we had that same... Um, cycle um, that I mentioned at, at the movie ride, a little bit different. The the, the mechanisms that trigger each scene, because each scene is lying dormant until the boat comes through. There's a there's an infrared sensor that when when the boat comes through, it triggers a scene to start. So really, that's all we were looking for. The the Jungle Cruise was not as interactive as the movie ride was, so we didn't have to worry about gunshots. We didn't have to worry about anything. If the hippos didn't come up. They didn't come up. No problem. We just let maintenance know, hey, if the hippos aren't working, they come through and whatever the hydraulic lines are are, are, are broken or whatever, they fix it. Um, each morning, we had very specific things to do. Uh, like once a week, it was it was get it, put on the waders and scrub the hippo, uh, scrub the, the, the elephants. Um, each day was something different. Uh, sometimes it was cleaning involved. Sometimes it was... Um, I guess it was mainly cleaning. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah, th- th- every morning was something different. Now you mentioned hidden Mickey's earlier. I love love hidden Mickey's. Besides the rope Mickey on the dock, are there any other ones in the attraction? Yes, and you'll never ever see it because it's all been overgrown. Oh. Uh, when they when they built the attraction, as you're coming around Inspiration Falls which inspires you to go deeper and deeper into the jungle. <laughs> uh, as you're coming around Inspiration Falls, you'll never see it but be, because the trees have all overgrown it. But on the side of that building where the waterfall is, that the, the rocks where the mm-hmm. waterfall is, uh, there's a 3D relief of Mickey just sitting right there. You, know, oh, you, will, wow. you, will, you will never see it unless, oh, they, unless, they, unless they rip out all the trees. Hmm. 
Did you work Splash Mountain at the same time you worked Jungle Cruise? Like, did they cross train you? Yeah, they had shut the jungle down for a month. They drained the they drained the river, uh, which they only do once every I think two or three years because it, it's a massive, massive effort. They have they have to dry dock the boats. Um, which means they gotta, they've got to pull them out. For, I, I realize, I have to realize, not everybody lives in Florida and doesn't know what dry docking means. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to, they have to, with a with a hoist, lift each boat out, put it onto onto its own like a set of skids. It sits on the skids, um, so it protects the hull. Uh, this way, they can clean the boats, they can refurbish the boats, work on engines and that sort of thing, and then they drain the river. Uh, and it, it gives them the chance to get the pressure washers out to really scrub everything down. There's, I don't know if you know this, but the Jungle Cruise is on a track. I did know that. I, yes. I don't know if I should give away that secret, but the Jungle Cruise <laughs> is on a track. The track is about three feet deep below the riverbed. And that's one thing when we did the waiters, they'd always say, be careful, don't fall, in, don't, don't fall into the track. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> could you swim? Yes, I can swim. Um, and and all sorts of things just fall into that track, uh, it, 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 into the track. It, they, it, it's a trap track. Um, the track set, it traps everything, uh, everything from leaves that fall off the off the trees to the to the bullet shells, which again are blanks, because mm-hmm. um, the, the skippers they're supposed to deposit them into the trash can, but some skippers like to just dump them over into the water, which is not good. But they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all self-contained. There, it wasn't going into an actual river. It was a fake river. So, one thing they did is they take out the shovel and start scooping up all those all those um, shells and throw them out, dispose of them properly. And okay. when the when the when the move when the move right when the jungle cruise was shut down for that month, everyone who was not already cross trained was cross trained. And and they said you're either going to go to Big Thunder or Splash. We don't know which one. I said I'm happy to go to either one of them. I got Splash. Okay. Now, now you mentioned the gun. Now, I know in Disneyland, they fire the gun all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the last time they fired the gun at Walt Disney World. I know they don't do it now. When did they stop that? Um, fairly recently. Uh, I believe it has to do with the, with, the, with the school shootings here in Florida, especially. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and because they, they know that they're going to have people coming up from, from South Florida, which is unfortunately where the shootings happened. Um, and that, that's a trigger. That, that is absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So they got okay. rid of that. Um, but they, they were actual guns. There are th- Smith and Wesson 38 specials and they had brass shells inserted into the chambers um, by a licensed gunsmith so that the skippers or the gangsters over in move right. Cause they're the exact same gun were not able to load actual live rounds in there. You, you could, it couldn't fit. It was a specially designed plastic round, which, and the movie ride only had the primer, which made a little snap. And, mm-hmm. and at the, at the jungle cruise had the primer plus a small amount of powder because it's outdoors. So you needed the louder effect. Do you have a favorite memory from working Splash Mountain? Or it's just like, all right, let's work Splash Mountain and the uh, shift is over. I, I think my favorite memory are the friends that I made there. I, I made some really, really, really good friends working at, at Splash, and I'm still friends with them to this day. You know, thank goodness for Facebook because it, it allows old friends to to reconnect, or sure. in that case, never never lose touch. Right, right. So that that would be my favorite part, my my best memory of, of Splash. It was a great ride. I loved it. I, I hate to see the change going from from chickens to frogs as a uh, Hmm. As uh oh, what's his name said? Um, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, uh, I can't remember his name. Josh, Josh Gad, uh, Josh Gad. May- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Josh. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, I, I hope he listens to this. I hope Josh listens to this because Josh and you and I are all from Broward County, Florida. We're all friends. We're all Broward County neighbors. Oh, I didn't uh, know he was from down there. Yeah, yeah, he went to um, Nova, uh, um, private Nova, not public Nova. Oh wow! Uh, for, for high school, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nova University School, yeah. Well, when when did he graduate? Do you know? Are we all the same? Uh, a- after us, he's okay. yeah, he's a few years after. Okay. But hi, Josh. I'm far, sorry I forgot your name, but uh, Josh mentioned uh, he was the he was 
one of the hosts at Candlelight Processional, Processional this year, and he joked that, oh yeah, Splash Mountain is changing from chickens to frogs. Everybody, <laughs> everybody burst out laughing. He's like, I just got fired. I'm not coming back here ever again because he's making fun <laughs> of his employer. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a little sad to see the the the, the change go from from chickens to frogs. I understand why they're doing it. Um, you got to keep with the times, and and we Song of the South is not available anymore, but uh, Princess and the Frog is very popular, right. and 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 so it's time to change. As Walt said, the park will never be complete. That's right. In your opinion, how can Imagineers plus the new attraction? Oh, you use the word plus. That is a Walt word. <laughs> That's a word that Walt himself used. Uh, plus which attraction? Uh, when it changes over to Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Oh. Uh, I mean, besides the theming. I mean, what else can be done in your opinion to plus it? The ride mechanism itself, the lifts and the drops. Now I'm going to talk operationally, not theming wise, because I'm always a big fan. As you mentioned earlier, I – stage manager, I design lights and sound. So to me, it's not always the front of house, but it's behind the scenes. I love knowing how the stuff works. I I love knowing how the lifts and the drops, there's four lifts and five drops in that ride. Uh, the last drop, you don't even realize is a drop, but it is. Um, I, I think from a technology point of view, I think they need to... Um, Either restring the uh, the cables that that pull the logs up the lifts, or change the or, or change the, um, the the technology entirely, because so much has changed since they designed it in the 1980s. You look at roller coasters, both Disney roller coasters, Universal roller coasters, and SeaWorld roller coasters. They're all designed by outside companies. Disney doesn't design it; they design the theming, and then they hire an outside roller coaster engineering firm to do it. And all that technology has changed. I think from a ride operation standpoint, they could really smooth out some of the, the, uh, the, the ride itself, the feel of the log as it moves through the attraction. I have noticed that in the last five years or so, some of the audio animatronics aren't working quite so well. Um, I don't know if that's a Walt Disney Imagineering thing, if that's, if that's, they don't have the budget. I don't know if maintenance just didn't have time to get in there because the Magic Kingdom is a huge park and maybe they just never made it to the to this to Splash Mountain. But I, I think they need to pay more attention to the smaller details. Cause when the ride is designed, it's got beautiful, beautiful details in there. And then over time, as things stop working, sometimes they say, Well, we don't need that one to work. The ride's still good. And when you have that mentality for 20 or 30 small little items, it becomes noticeable. So if they need to do anything, it's I think they need to pay more attention to those small details, which for whatever reason, they just don't. Right. Do you prefer Splash Mountain in Magic Kingdom or Disneyland Park? They are very similar. Um, I The biggest difference that I can recall is that uh, Disneyland is tandem where it's one in front of the other versus uh, Walt Disney World is side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, they have got a greater capacity because they they could get eight per log rather than four. Um, I don't know. There's something special about Disneyland that you just don't get anywhere else. I've been to four of the Disney parks around the world. Um, I've been to Shanghai. I've been to both the both the U.S. parks been to to Disneyland Paris, and they're each unique and they're each wonderful in their own way. But walking through Disneyland, walking down the street, sitting on the benches where Walt sat, eating at the Carnation Cafe, which was his favorite restaurant, you just get a feeling there you don't get anywhere else. Um, that being said, the ride itself I think is bigger at Walt Disney World. Because they have, as Walt used to say, the blessing of size. They had room at World that they didn't have at Land. Okay. Now, you worked on the technical side of theater in high school, so behind the scenes backstage. You were on stage at Walt Disney World. If you were to work for Disney again, would you want to work 
on stage or backstage and in what capacity? I've actually looked, I'm not going to do it because at this point it would be a pay cut for me, but um, I, I've actually looked at some of the stage manager positions. They're hiring stage managers like crazy. Um, I would love to either go back, if it's an entertainment, I'd love to go back as a stage manager mm-hmm. and work the shows throughout the entire property. Or um, you mentioned I'm a dive master uh, at Epcot. They have a program where you can make a donation to the Disney Environmental Fund. And as part of that donation, you get to dive the living seas or the seas with Nemo and friends now. I would love to be that dive master taking people in that, was it 5 billion gallon tank Mm -hmm. two two or three times a day. Um, So either either the dive master (laughs) taking people on the the dives there or uh, stage managing the shows. I would love to do either one of them. Nice. What was your favorite attraction to work? Oh, the movie ride. Oh yeah, why? The the friends, the excitement, the the never ending uh, conversations, the 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 stuff that happens behind the scenes, watching Star Trek: The Next Generation in the break break room every day at four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a camaraderie at GMR that I've never felt anywhere else. I didn't feel it at the jungle. I didn't feel it at Splash. I loved the jungle and Splash, but I didn't feel that family that I felt at the movie ride. Like I said, we are still friends to this day. There's a whole great movie ride Facebook page that you can only join if you're a GMR cast member. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. One, One of the posts going around right now is... What celebrities did you meet while you were at the Great Movie Ride? So, of course, I had to contribute. Uh, which celebrities besides Michael Jackson did you meet on the Great Movie Ride? Lori Lachlan before she got involved in the college admission scandal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I believe uh, Brittany and Justin came through on one, of their, um, on one of their breaks from filming Mickey Mouse Club or MMC because uh, it was it was actually right across mickey avenue um if you're if you're if your listeners can envision walking down I, I think it's called pixar place now but at the time it was called mickey avenue you have the sound stages as you're going down sound stages on your right and then and then this nondescript plain tan building with the sign that says cast members only mm-hmm. that was the backstage entrance to the great movie ride well when mickey mouse club would be on their one or two hour break because they'd have the, the crew over there would have to reset the scenery and reset the cameras and so on and so on for their next shoot. The Mickey Mouse Club cast members would sometimes come over and they'd ride rides. They'd go on uh, star tours or they'd ride whatever there was. Well, one day a group of them decided to come over and ride the movie ride. And there was little Britney Spears, and little Justin Timberlake, like nobody knew who they were. They were just kids. Right, nobody right, nobody right. knew that they were going to become like these, these international pop sensations. Like, oh, cool! The Musketeers are here, everybody. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we met we met them before they were famous. Tell me about your work in marketing with Walt Disney Attractions and what you did for Disney consumer products. They were in the same building in Coral Gables, Florida, which is a suburb of Miami. Um, I had actually moved back down to South Florida to pursue my, my MBA at the University of Miami. I had bid Disney a fond farewell. I always heard about this elusive Miami office. I had no idea what it was, where it was, what they did. I saw some some paper somewhere when I was in Orlando. Like, there's, there's a Miami office? What's that all about? So I was at the University of Miami my first semester, um, probably September, August, September of 1994. And I see... In the, um, uh, in, in the career center, Walt Disney Attractions Marketing Internship Coral Gables. I grabbed that paper like, what is this all about? <laughs> I immediately, there was no, I mean, nobody was using email uh, then. So I immediately, I, I call them. I think I faxed over my resume <laughs> <laughs> and I got called in and said, oh, wow, come on in for an interview. Uh, we see you worked at the parks. And I'll, I also, also, I called some of my old supervisors. I said, hey, Val, the same Valerie. I said, Val, there's this, there's this. Miami office. She's like, I know about the Miami office. I said, okay, but I found it. I found it. 
would you be able to write me a letter of recommendation to work there? She said, sure. So the letter of rec came in. Nice. And I went in for my interview and, and it was this beautiful corner penthouse office overlooking Miami and the Miami international airport. And like, Oh, this is beautiful. And I, I, I was asked one question. The interview was one question. Why do you deserve this job? Okay. That's the best interview question ever. And that was always, tell me about a time when you had a problem with a customer. Why <laughs> should I hire you for this job? I mean, talk about open-ended questions. Ask a theater kid an open-ended question. We won't stop. <laughs> so, so I went on for probably longer than I should have. And she smiled and she smiled. And she's like, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I got the job. It was an internship. Um, my official what, title. What was your answer? And we're out of time for today, but Danny will be back next week where we finish our conversation about his time working in marketing for Walt Disney attractions and so much more. As always, please subscribe to the show, rate and leave a review, and tell your friends if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, well, tell your enemies. Follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me and visit patreon.com slash themouseandme to support the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, I hope you have the best day ever and see you real soon. (laughs) 